Well, amen. Good job. Good job. I straightened their ties when they come through their wall. Go. I said, once you look good, got to Matt. And I said, ain't no hope. Amen. <laughs> anyway, good to have Matt home. He's at home. College goes back. He's going to finish up his semester down there. We got several family members that's come in, and I told White a while ago, I said, you're no longer the tallest one in the house. Uh, Wesley's in, and, uh, but different ones, family's in, and we got some of our family in. I'll tell you what, just good to get together this time of year. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to. Luke chapter 2. You say, preacher, Christmas was yesterday. You're going to preach a Christmas message. No, I'm not really. I'm going on into a little deeper into the life of Jesus Christ here. And we find that uh, here, we're going to begin reading in verse 39. Verse 39 says, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, speaking of Jesus here, grew and waxed strong in the spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they returned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And, they, and, all, they, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed." And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist not that I must be about my father's business? And they, was, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you look back at verse 44, be our text. It says, but they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Supposing Him to Be There. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Let it not be said that we just suppose that you're here, but that we know that you're here. By your power, by your spirit, your very presence. Lord, you're moving in hearts and lives. Lord, may it not be emotions, but may it be the spirit of God that moves in our hearts and speaks to our hearts today. I pray that you would strengthen each of us to walk with you, to walk near unto you. Lord, I thank you for the time of year that we are, that we celebrate and enjoy the time of your birth. But Lord, you came not to be in a manger, you came to go to a cross. And because of that, Lord, we have eternal life, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that I serve a risen Savior, not a Savior that's dead. I thank you this morning that there's life, life eternal through our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Strengthen me, give me wisdom, Lord. The words that I've put on these notes mean nothing except you visit with us, Lord, and use them in hearts and lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated.
we here in Luke, we jump from the birth of Christ to the eighth day and uh, that were the fulfilling of the, he was circumcised the eighth day, as the law would say. Then we jump in, up to where he is 12 years old and they go in at the, uh, to Jerusalem from Nazareth to, to the feast of the Passover and was there several days for that. Uh, Joseph and Mary did not have a lot of money and so uh, they didn't go up the four times that they that was basically required of men to do so but probably once a year because of the cost that it would be unto them and trying to travel that distance and going up from there. So we find here that after the days of the feast that uh, they left and they returned to Nazareth with their kinfolk and some acquaintances, fr friends from Nazareth that had traveled with them. Many times it, it's not, it's not, uh, not, it was not uncommon for them to, to travel in large groups when they would travel that distance because of robbers and different ones that would lay alongside the highways or the, the roads we would call them and waiting for them to come by. So they would travel in large groups. Many times families would go together and maybe some people of the town would follow them as they go up for the Passover, for the feast there in Jerusalem. And so they would go up through there. It was not uncommon also for the men to travel or to, you might call it march together, walk together. The men would walk together. And you know men how we do. We talk about men things, you know, important stuff and get all that settled. And the women would walk or march, what you might say back here. Uh, 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 many times it was the women that would walk in front. The men would walk behind. It, it's not, it, there's nothing there. It's just the way they kind of travel. And... Uh, uh, the women would talk about women thing, you know, like, uh, is that really the, your color of hair? Or, uh, where'd you get that dress and all that sort of stuff, you know? And uh, they would march together. The children would either generally be with the women or they would be back here with the men. Sometimes they would be up in different places. Now, Jesus was old enough that he could have went back and forth at 12 years of age. He could go from one group to the other. And so it was not uncommon for this to happen. There'd be a large group of people traveling together. But we find here that they went a day's journey and, and was unable to find Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you know, can you imagine the feeling that they had? We'll talk about that in a minute. But you see, it's sad. You say, that's, that's sad, preacher. Here's the Son of God. And they've left Him behind. You know what's sadder than that? Is that in our day and time, many Christians... Many Christians are leaving behind. Not only the lost world, but Christians who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior, leaving the Son of God along, supposing Him to be in all that they do and say. Supposing Him to be in our church services, and He's nowhere to be found. Supposing Him to be in our family times and nowhere to be found. That's what's really sad. Several years ago, a good friend of my wife's, her name was Arlene Parker. She's passed away. She's went on to be at the Lord. Her husband passed away before her. Uh, Mesothemioma, I can't even say it, but anyway, he died. He worked at a, a, a rock-crushing plant that made uh, the, the rock for shingles and stuff. And he died with that. And uh, a few years ago, Arlene passed away. But I remember at one time when uh, their son, who was the youngest in the family, <clears throat> his name is Nathan. 
And they went to Walmart. They lived at Desarc, which was about 15, 20 minutes from Piedmont. We live there in Piedmont. It's about 15, 20 minutes from Piedmont. Well, Piedmont uh, is a pretty small town. It had a Walmart. They took the Walmart out. It no longer has a Walmart. But they went to town. That was the getting place around there. We a small town of about 2,300, something of that nature. And and uh, had little towns around it. People would come to Piedmont, do their shopping, and, and, and so forth. Uh, if not, you had to drive a, at least 45 minutes to, to either Fredericktown or Popper Bluff uh, to a larger town to, to do your shopping. And so one day she came to town, and, and her, she drove a vehicle, and her oldest daughter, Amy, drove a vehicle. Uh, they was, had some things to do uh, separate, and so they, they both had their vehicles in town. And, uh, of course, she had Nathan. Nathan was, fairly, was pretty young. They went to Walmart, and they was at Walmart doing their shopping and everything. They got all their stuff, and they left. Well, <clears throat> after they got home about, oh, 20 minutes after, uh, uh, drive and so forth, they got home, and they was putting things away, and, and uh, Amy was downstairs. They had a, a, a basement, and their, her room and all that was downstairs. She was downstairs. Arlene was upstairs putting things away, and they get a phone call. And it was Jeff Parker, which is a good friend of mine, and Jeff said, uh, Arlene, <clears throat> is Nathan with you? And she said, well, yeah, I guess. And all of a sudden she dropped the phone. She ran to the, to, the, to the stairwell. She hauled at Amy. She said, is Nathan down there? And she said, no. Is he up there? And they had left him at Walmart. <clears throat> and he uh, because he was a nephew, he's a, he's a cousin, I guess, basically of Jeff. They they found out who he was and so forth, and called Jeff. and And Jeff's office was real close to Walmart, and they took him over there. And Jeff had Nathan and everything, and and we never let Arlene live it down that she left Nathan at Walmart. <laughs> but even greater than that, when I was a youth pastor at at, at uh, uh, Victory Baptist Temple, there, Brother Elmo Parker was the pastor. His wife was named Imogene, and. Uh, uh, one one uh, Sunday night, uh, we, we'd stand around and visit like we do here and talk and so forth. Well, Brother Parker was picking up a man that uh, he, was, he was a widower and, and he was, he was kind of ta- teetery and everything. And, and so Brother Parker would, would pick him up uh, uh, for church uh, on Sunday nights and then he would take him home. Well, Brother Parker, there's kind of a little mound there in front of the front door in concrete and everything, and he'd pull up in front for Miss Parker and this man to load in there. And, and so he pulled up there with the car, and the man come and got in the front seat. He'd always put him in the front seat. Miss Parker had some, her purse and some other items, and she comes over on this side. She opens the door. She puts them in, closes the door, and starts walking around the back side of the car to get in on the other side behind Brother Parker. Brother Parker drives off. Well, where that is situated, you can stand there and you can look all the way down to Highway 34 and you can see it. And we thought, well, he'll go down. He'll realize he's not there because there's a circle drive in front of the church. He doesn't. He pulls out on Canyon Road. He turns his head towards 34. And we're all standing there. This is great. <laughs> because you got to know who Miss, you, you would have to know Miss Parker. <clears throat> and she's standing there. And I can still hear it. Elmo? That's his name, Elmo. I didn't name him. Elmo? He, drove, he drives down. He gets down to a 34 Highway. We're still, we can still see the car. He'll turn around. He makes a right-hand turn. Keeps on going. About, uh, oh, 25, 30 minutes later, we're all still standing there. 
This is going to be good. <clears throat> Here comes that car back up Canyon Road. Turns into, into, the, into the drive of the church. Comes around the circle drive. Pulls up on top. And we're all standing there waiting with Miss Parker. <laughs> he took the man home. He thought she was still in the back. He thought she got in the back when she closed the door on the passenger side. And he got and dropped the man off. And he said, aren't you going to get up here in front? I'm a Gene, aren't you going to get up here in front? And he looks up in his mirror. I'm Gene's nowhere around. <laughs> he supposed that she was in the back of the car and she was not. Now that doesn't make him a bad husband. It does make a hard way for him to go sometimes. But <laughs> we find the same situation here. We find that in all the familiarity... The routine that they was going through, that they left him supposing him being in the company. Verse 44 again says, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. They had traveled to Jerusalem with the same people. They traveled the same road. They had been together visiting and Everything was fine. Nothing has, has changed during this period of time. They're all going back as a company to Nazareth. They all gather together. They're ready to go. They pick up their belongings and, and they head out for Nazareth. Nothing has changed. The men, they're together. They're talking about maybe what took place at the Passover. And people that they've seen that they hadn't seen since the year before. The ladies discussing whatever ladies discuss and talking about things and, and about certain ones who have had children over the year and they've got to see the newborn babes and, and talking about the Passover feast and, and the coming of the Lord and, and all these things and, and all that took place and everything was, was just as it always had been. They become very familiar. They got back on the same road. They stood side by side as they walked the same road, doing the same thing that they had done for several years, uh, walking the same road, uh, coming from and going to the, the Passover and, 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 and celebrating uh, the Lord, delivering them out of Egypt and maybe discussing the Scripture and, and all that God had done and, and delivering them out of Egypt and all that He had planned for them. They become so familiar. Everything had become a routine. They felt like everything was fine. They supposed that he was there. They supposed him to be in the company just as he had been all the other times for 12 years. You see, so many times Christians and churches, through the familiarity and the routine of things, suppose that the Lord to be there when he's nowhere to be found in our service. We're nowhere to be found in the, our doings and our walk. Can I tell you, and it's a sad saying that I'm about to say. But many people will gather today in churches across this land. They'll sing the songs that they've sung Sunday after Sunday. They'll pick up the same Bible that they've held for year after year. The preacher will step in the pulpit. He'll preach a message maybe that they've heard before. He'll read scripture that they've read over and over and over again. They'll say, they'll pray. 
He'll dismiss and they'll go home. Supposing that they had met with God. Supposing that the Lord had come down. And maybe he was nowhere to be found. That's what's sad. All across this nation. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're bad churches. But supposing him to be in the midst. And supposing him to just always be like it always was. He's nowhere in the company among us. It's so easy to fall into familiarity. You pick up your Bible on, uh, each day and you read your devotions and you read the scripture that you've read over and over and over again and maybe you don't get a whole lot out of it, but you've read it. You've te- you spend the time in prayer that you always do. You've got a certain time of prayer and that's good. But it becomes a routine. And we get so familiar that we begin to float. And it doesn't seem like there's anything special about it. And nothing has really changed. Everything's about the same. But we're missing Him in our doings, in our walk, in our services. You see, it's much like the sad story of Samson. In the verse there in Judges chapter 16 and verse 20 says, And she said, this was... Delilah speaking to Samson, she said, to the, she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Listen closely. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself. Time and time again, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when they would attack him, he would just literally go out and just shake himself off like he was shaking dirt off of his hands and they would fly apart and he would defeat them. Here's a man who had killed uh, uh, thousands of, of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Here's a man that had taken the, the gates and the gate post, pulled them out of the ground and carried them away from the city and set them on a hilltop. He says, I'll just go out and shake myself like I did before. Just like I always have. Just like the last time. And the Spirit of God will come, would come on me. He said, just like I had before. But the latter part of that verse says, And he wished not, or otherwise did not know, that the Lord was departed from him. Well, that's a scary thought. You see, he got familiar. He got used to. He took for granted. And he supposed that the presence and the power of the Lord was there in his life and would always be there. But you see, the Lord was not there in his desperate time of need. He had departed. Now understand this. The Bible is plain. The Bible is clear that you cannot lose your salvation. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something that you can lose. That is the presence and power of God and His Spirit on your life and His hand upon the church and His working in your life in a powerful way. That can depart. Why do you think that there's so many churches that are closing their doors? 
You would have to uh, uh, write Ichabod over the door. And what Ichabod means is the glory hath departed. Many churches today, you could go in and write, the glory hath departed. God's nowhere to be found in their services. God's nowhere to be found in their, in their singing. God's nowhere to be found in their preaching. God's nowhere to be found in their praying. It's just routine. It's just familiarity. As we move into this new year, it's easy to become relaxed. It's easy to become familiar. It's easy to just sit back and think, well, thank we had a good year, you know, Lord blessed in the church, and, and we've seen souls saved, and we've seen growth in the church, and it's, it's easy to just say, you know, I, I've had a good year, and things went well. Hey, my friend, be careful that it doesn't become familiar. And supposing that everything's always like it was, the presence of the Lord has departed. You see, they traveled a day's journey without His presence before they did any checking. Here's the problem. Sometimes we travel through life thinking everything's the same without checking. No, sir, it says, and they went a day's journey and they sought Him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. It probably wasn't until that night when they set up camp they had a, a, a quite a ways to go yet to, to get to Nazareth. And so they was going to camp that night. And so they probably got to a place where they said, you know, it's, it's, it's not dark yet, but it's going to be dark soon. Let's go ahead and let's set up camp and uh, we'll be prepared. We'll get up in the morning. We'll go on the rest of the way on into Nazareth. And so as they begin to set up, maybe, maybe uh, uh, Joseph uh, said, uh, Mary, where, where's, where's Jesus? I want him to help set up things here. Where's he at? Is he playing with the other kids? And they began to look for him, and he wasn't there. They went a day's journey, a day's journey, not an not a hour's journey, not 15 minutes journey, a day's journey without even looking to see if he was there. When's the last time you really took account in your own life and say, Lord, am I still walking with you? Am I still close to you? Lord, do I, do I still feel your hand on my life and using me? Or do we go a, a journey and all of a sudden it's time to set up camp and we realize He's not there. The whole day had passed and no one had thought to spend time or to make sure that He was there. It's a 12-year-old boy. They went a day's journey. That means they never even looked from a distance to see if he was there that day as they traveled. They never, as they, as they walked along, and they never looked to, over maybe where the kids were walking to see, where's Jesus at? Dad didn't do it. Mom didn't do it. They traveled a day's journey without looking. Can I say what is sad today? That many times we go through the whole year, uh, Dustin, and we never stop and say, Lord, 
Am I walking with you? Are we close together? Am I, am I spending the time with you that I should? Are we close? Is there that, is that the Spirit of God moving in my life like, a, like a, I think that He is? Are, what are you doing in my life? Lord, I want to get closer. Are we looking? Are we looking? You know what? A lot of times until a tragedy happens, till we set up camp, we don't stop and look. But we need to stop right now. And the good travels along the way. And not just once in a while, but all the time where we ought to stop. We ought to take a look and say, hey, I, I need to look at my life and see where I am in position, in connection, in, uh, with the presence of the Lord. Where am I at? And take a good look. Not only did they not look, that means that they never sought to talk with him that day as they traveled. Hmm. If they had, if they'd found out he wasn't there. They didn't go check on him to say, hey, listen, I just want to see if you need anything. I just want to talk to you and, you know, make sure everything's okay. They didn't talk, even seek to talk to him that whole day. Sometimes we travel through life and we really don't talk with him, we talk at him. You see, I could talk at Sean and say things at Sean, but unless I'm in his presence, I'm not going to get that answer. I know where he lives. I could step outside and say, Sean, give me a call. I ain't going to get a call. I can talk at him. But until I'm in that presence, I'm not going to get an answer. They didn't even try to seek him out to talk to him during a whole day's worth of travel. Not only that, but they were apparently assumed, supposed, that if he needed anything from them, he'd let them know. He'd let them know. When's the last time on your journey of this life, Debbie, did you say, Lord, is there anything you need of me? Is there anything that you want in my life? Is there anything that needs to be changed? Lord, what is it? How, how can I be a witness for you? And so many times we go through this life, we become so familiar with everything and everything seems so routine and it seems like we're going down the highway and everything's fine and we haven't hit that camping time yet. We haven't hit that tragedy yet. And we never stop along the way and say, Lord, is there anything that you need from me? Is there anything that you want out of my life at this point on this travel? They never sought him to even talk to him. I'm not saying that we don't pray. But sometimes when we pray, it's just, it's words. 
And oh, how we need to seek Him with all of our heart. This Mary and Joseph, by now some of you think, oh, they're a pretty bad pair of parents, weren't they? No, they weren't. In fact, God chose them. Mary was the one that he chose to carry the Son of God. Joseph was the one that he chose to be the stepfather. God chose them. But they assumed, they supposed that Jesus was among them as they traveled down that road. You see, many Christians and churches, they're not bad Christians. They're not bad churches. But we've assumed, uh, we've just supposed that the Lord's meeting with us. We just assume that He's pleased with us. We just assume that He will answer our prayers. We just assume that He will pour out His power and presence on us. We just assume and we never seek Him as we should. We fail to see if there's anything He wants of us. But we've left Him behind if we're not careful. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And, how, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. He talks about all the good that they've done. Church of Ephesus. He talks about how, how, how the ministry was and how that they were good people in the church and they didn't go for that false doctrine and they didn't go for those who were trying to mislead them. And they were busy people in the church. They were familiar with the Scriptures. And everything become routine. The next verse he says but I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. You know it's easy to have church, to get up and preach a message, to sing the songs, to play the music, to take up the offering, to sit in the pew, sing the songs, pray, sit in the Sunday school classes, teach a Sunday school lesson, run the buses. And have left our first love. Supposing that he's there because we're busy. Busyness doesn't mean that he's there. The busyness, all the rules, all the actions, all these things that sometimes we put so much emphasis on doesn't mean he's there. He said, thou hast left thy first love. He tells him, he said, repent, return, 
Come back to that first love. We can go through all of it, the, the motions, the religion. And can I tell you that no matter how serious you are, no matter how sincere you are, except he be in the presence, it's nothing more than religion. Nothing more than religion. Well, they had to admit their neglect. Verse 44, again, look at that there. It says, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. Can you imagine? They've went a day's journey. Joseph is talking to Mary. He said, I, I, I thought he was with you. She said, well, I thought he was with you. Well, I, I kind of thought he was with the kids. Well, I, I thought he was with kids or maybe with you because I hadn't seen him and I just assumed it. Well, I just assumed it. Maybe he's with some of the others. Let's go ask him. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen our son? They say, no. Uh, was he with us when we left Jerusalem? We don't know. Goes to another kinsman. Have you seen Jesus? We can't find him. Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him. Didn't you check on him on the way? Well, we was busy talking and forgot to. Go to one of the, the, the acquaintances in Nazareth. Have you seen Jesus? We can't find him. You mean you didn't know that he wasn't with us? I haven't seen him. He's your son. He's yours. You better keep better tabs on what's yours. Right, Christian? We better keep better tabs on what's ours. And you can imagine the hum the, how the humiliation and the humbling it was to think, we've traveled a whole day and we never even checked on our son. We've neglected him. We've neglected that. The scripture says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You know, Jesus Christ, your Savior, be careful. It's easy to neglect so great salvation. To take it for granted. To become so familiar that you're saved and on your way to heaven that you really never put anything into it. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, yes, you're His, but He's yours. Oh, how we ought to make sure that we know that we're walking with Him, that we're with Him in that fellowship. It's time for Christians and churches to get real about our relationship with the Lord and to draw an eye to Him instead of playing games. Recognizing that, hey, I can go through the motions and really He's nowhere as far as His presence and power in my life. They found Him, though. They found Him when they sought Him with all their heart. Look at verse 45. And when they had found Him not, they turned back. 
again to Jerusalem seeking Him. They said, He's got to be back there. We're going to turn back. We're going back where we've where we last seen Him. We're going back to Jerusalem. And they begin to seek Him. It says, And it came to pass after three days they found Him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions and all the that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, now look, look at their heart here. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. They went back seeking him with a broken heart. With a broken heart. Well, I'll tell you what, it would do good, Brother Dale, for the church to get on its face with a broken heart again. It'd do good for every one of us Christians to get on our face with a broken heart say, Lord, I, I need you. Not just today, but tomorrow, the next day, and every day. I need you. I need your fellowship. I need your presence. I want to be close to you, Lord. I, I don't want it to become familiar. I don't want it to become routine. Lord, I want it to be in the presence with you, Lord, at all times, walking with you through this life. Yes, it's a journey that you've given me, but Lord, I want you by my side. I want to walk the path that you want me to walk. I want to talk the talk that you want me to talk. I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. Let me walk with you. Let me be in your presence, Lord. I can't go this way. My heart is broken for you, Lord. Oh, what we need today is to humble ourselves. A lot of Christians sit in pews week after week, 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 and they won't use an altar. Can I tell you why? It's not that they're bad Christians, but it's become easy It's become familiar. It's become routine. And oh, I can just handle it right here. Can I tell you something? If that's your attitude, you can't. You can't. Why? Because that's your pride. And we've got to humble ourselves if we're going to seek Him if we're going to find Him. We're going to have to seek Him with all of our heart, not just, just playing around stuff. Why is America in the shape that she's in? Because the church has turned its heart towards other things instead of towards the Lord. They sought Him sorrowing. I wish that Christians and churches would seek the Lord with a broken heart and, and stirred to have the power and the presence of God again on the church and on Christians' lives. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek Me. And find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. Can I ask you this morning? What's it going to take to get us turned back into seeking? We're coming into a new year and boy, I tell you what, there's so many things on the horizon that we can see that boy, just don't look good. I'll tell you what's needed. We need to seek the Lord with all of our heart. We need to humble ourselves. We need to admit, Lord, you know what? I've just kind of floated. I've just kind of, I just kind of become familiar. Lord, it wasn't because I was trying to drift. It wasn't because of this or that. But Lord, I wanted to be close to you, but I just got so busy. And for somehow we've left him 
beside the way. Say, preacher, is it going to make a difference? Oh, yeah. It makes a major difference in your life day by day. It ought to be the first thing in the morning. Lord, I don't want to start this day without you. And Lord, I don't want to walk through this day without you. Make sure that you're walking with him. Make sure that he's in the company. There may be some here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I haven't preached really a salvation message other than the fact that you need him as your Savior. You need him in your heart. You need Him as you stand before the Lord. You may be religious. You may be a churchgoer. You may have been baptized. You may have your name on a church roll. But can I tell you something? Except you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, you have no hope. And one day you'll be cast from His presence for eternity into a lake of fire. Come this morning, let us take a Bible and show you how you can have that presence. How that you can have Him as your Savior. How that you can know that you're going to heaven. Christian, when's the last time you really looked to see if maybe, just maybe, you've left Him out? Maybe you've left Him behind? Not because you're in some great sin or because you wanted to? But maybe because you become comfortable. Maybe because you become busy. You know what to say. You know when to say it. You know what to do and how to do it. You still pray. You still read your Bible. But it's become routine and familiar to you. and no longer stirs your heart. You've lost the tears for the lost. You've lost that excitement for the things of God. And you have just supposed that it's always like it was. And we take it for granted. As he closes out that chapter when they find him. They said, why did you do this? He said, what? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? I must be about my father's business. He said, well, preacher, in light of that, what should have they done? If it was the father's business for him to stand there and to teach and to preach in the temple, mom and dad should have stayed right there with him. Wherever he was, doing the father's business. Let us be found in his presence doing the father's business. Father, we thank you. We love you. May this morning, Lord, may it not just be another morning. May it not just be Sunday after Christmas Day. But may there be a stirring in our hearts to check our hearts, to check our lives, to make sure that maybe we haven't left you behind in all the busyness of this Christmas season. Oh, Lord, help there to be that desire in our hearts Lord, let it not be said of us 
that you have somewhat against us because we've left our first love. Lord, help us to rekindle that love, to keep it close, to keep you close and dear in our hearts and minds. And it'll not just be once in a great while, but it'll be daily we need to walk with you. Lord, help us not to go even a day's journey without your presence. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?